Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. This, uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to be covering the, the topic of uh, the character of God, uh, the grace of God. So we heard from Shettle uh, last week speak about the compassion of God, right? So I listened to his message, so I was there, but I wasn't. I listened to his message, it was a great message. And uh, today I'm going to speak about the second characteristic trait of God, and that is his, his grace. We're going to hear about God's grace this morning. All right. And so uh, I want to make sure that you guys leave today understanding this, this characteristic trait in a way that you maybe haven't thought about it from before. Today I want you to understand that God's grace is something quite unique. Quite unique. You, don't, you will not find it being given by the world. God only provides this and gives it in a way that is packaged so that, wow, you can feel loved, cared for. You can feel His kindness despite what you go through, what you've done, the experiences that you've had from before. Uh, and so um, I trust that today um, this grace opens a way for us to become whole and to live in God's kingdom today. And we speak about God's kingdom out of our previous series that we had um, in Malma as it is in heaven, which is our vision statement. So your kingdom come, your will be done. And we want to make sure that kingdom of God comes today and you guys can see that through his grace and through the message of grace. Just again, referring to our mission statement, uh, we exist to bring heaven to earth by seeking God daily, intentionally following Jesus and participating in his redemptive mission. Guys, we see three church Malma will only be able to, to, to live up to this mission uh, when we have the grace of God in our lives. It's not possible to do it without his grace. As Justin mentioned, our central piece of scripture is out of Exodus 32. Uh, 34, sorry, uh, verses 6. And God said, He passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So the other three characteristics, Lynn, Justin, and Christelle will be covering over the next three weeks. But I believe that these characteristic traits are going to give you a new perspective of who God is and the God that we serve this morning. We've been talking using some Greek and Hebrew words. It's not uh, for us to try and sound smart and intelligent. As Shettle mentioned in his message, you can just kind of Google it and find out what it's about. So, you know, so when, we, when we use Greek words, you know, it's like, oh, wow, that's amazing. You know, don't, don't, don't think, you know, we, we're nothing special other than just I've Googled it as well too. Um, so the word for in Hebrew for grace is shen, and the Greek word is uh, charis, all right? And the reason why we want to use these Greek words is that there's so much depth and meaning uh, in, in these words when we talk about them, all right? So we, when you, look, you have the word charis, it means favor, blessing, and kindness, all right? So that's what God's grace is. And I really trust and believe that today that you guys will get a new perspective of His grace in, in this way, His favor, His blessing, and His kindness. And we, we experience God's favor all day, actually, if you think about it. For those who declare them, they are themselves uh, children of the living God, you experience grace all day long. All right? Sometimes you just don't, you don't recognize it. Sometimes you just, you know, those moments of like, wow, okay, I wasn't hit by that car, or I wasn't run over by this bicycle, which is probably quite common in, in Malma to happen when you're walking in the streets. But, you know, the grace of God is always around us. And so I just want to encourage you guys 
to, uh, to reflect on that as, as I bring this message to you. All right, so let's take a moment and let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that you will anoint my words with oil and season it with salt. I pray, Father, that every word spoken today, I pray, Lord, that you will use the words to stitch into people's hearts and give them a new perspective on you and how much you love them. We pray all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to start off with um, this parable uh, out, of, out of Luke 15. Uh, Kitty, you can bring it up. Uh, it's the parable of the lost son. I think many of us heard about it before. It's also, you may have heard about it as the prodigal son. Uh, and so I think this is a great story to start off with. And Jesus just illustrates God's grace through the story when he tells it. And I think it's probably the best representation of God's grace. And um, so he speaks about the father in the story and the father being, being, being God. And of course the son being all of us uh, sitting here. Alright, so verse 11, I'm just going to read through it. Uh, and I think it's important so you guys listen up. You might have your paperback Bibles, some words on behind me, or you can open up your phone. <clears throat> right, so Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons, the younger one had said to his father, Father, give me my share of, uh, of the estate, of my inheritance. <clears throat> so he divided his property between them. No long, not, not long after that, the young son got together all he had and set off to a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living or in parties. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need, or other translations says he, he became hungry. Um, sorry, I lost my, uh, my thoughts over here. Um, and he became in need. And so he went on to hire himself out to a citizen in that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, and, uh, and no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but make me one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a far way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion and ran to his son, threw his arms around him and also kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his, his servants, Quick, bring a robe, the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring a fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. So let's begin to celebrate. Let's begin to celebrate. So this is a beautiful story for those who call us um, ourselves sons and daughters of the living God, of God's generous, generous grace that he has to forgive us despite the things that we've done in the past, despite by the decisions that we've made and the shortcomings that we have and the behaviors that we've had in the past, this is God's grace. This is God's grace. This character of God, yeah, he shows mercy and love and kindness. And, and even though you know, he, the son came and he admitted that he was off on the beaten track, and I think this is a key part as well too, is the, the acknowledgement that he was on the wrong path. And he came to his father and he basically repented in front of his father. He says, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. 
And so that's actually a key piece of scripture that I'm going to be using uh, throughout my message. So I want you guys to have that in the back of your mind. And so God is telling us through this, this message that as children of the living God, no matter the, 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 your past, no matter the selfish decisions that you might have taken, God will always embrace you with His arms. He will always re, uh, receive you back despite the things that you have done and the things you have gone through. This is the grace of God. He will love you nevertheless. So probably the most well-known example of how grace was shown to someone in the biblical days was with King David, right? So King David, he did a couple of amazing things. You know, we all know him for the slayer of Goliath. We all know him as the guy who was victorious of the Philistines, the Anamakites, and all of that. But also, he also did a couple of things that weren't okay in the sight of the Lord. So he he uh, he was on his uh, um, on his on his porch. He was looking down over the houses, and he saw this beautiful woman called Bathsheba. He took her uh, as his as his um, as as his lover, uh, and they they had a she she fell pregnant, but he discovered that actually she was the wife of one of these military commanders called Uriah, and so he invited Uriah uh, back from the the the, the, uh, the field where they were busy fighting. Uh, he, he he tried to get Uriah to to go uh, to to bed with with his uh, with, with Bathsheba to try and cover up his sins. Uh, but in the end, that, that failed. So in the end, what, what, did, what did David do? He sent Uriah into, into, the, into the heat of the battle, and he asked uh, his other commanders to pull back, and so that Uriah may be killed, and so that, yeah, that, that it looked as if it was an accident. And so, so basically, David tried to cover up his sins. He tried to cover up his, 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 his deeds in, in what he did, this adulterous act. But in 2 Samuel 12, you, um, you guys don't, don't have that at the back, but... Uh, the prophet Nathan was basically sent to God and uh, sent, sorry, sent to David at that time, and he told him this uh, this story about uh, two men, a wealthy man and a poor man. The, the poor man had one sheep, and the wealthy man had a number of sheep. And the uh, the wealthy man looked enviously on the, on this this poor man's single sheep, and he took that sheep, slaughtered it, and gave it to his friends. And upon hearing this, this story, David, King David just burst into fury and was absolutely furious about this, this, uh, this scenario. And he basically said, bring me that man. I will, I will make sure he doesn't, he doesn't survive or we will make sure he's dead. Uh, and then Nathan actually said, well, that is you, uh, King David. He was brave enough to be able to, to say that was you. And at, the, at, the, at, the, at hearing this story and, and, and realizing that God knew David's sin, what did David do? What was David's response? It was utter remorse. It was utter remorse. He realized that he did something wrong. He knew that it was in the wrong. God forgave David. He forgave his sins. He forgave him because David acknowledged his sin. He said, I am wrong. I knew what I did was wrong. And so King David was, was fasting for, for seven days as he as he heard the story from, from Nathan or this um, uh, and, and so God brought upon sickness upon the, the child that was born uh, to Bathsheba that came from an adulterous act with, with, with David. And um, so David was forgiven, but it didn't come without consequences, right? There was a sickness that came upon this child. David was fasting for seven days. He laid naked on the floor. He was, he was desiring to seek God's grace and forgiveness from his act. And so... He was, he, was, he was lying there and, and he just was pleading with God. But on the seventh day, this child died. 
And so David stood up, he washed himself, he put lotion on his body, he went to the tabernacle, he worshipped God, and he started to eat. His servants were very, very confused. They thought, oh, he, he would be very upset. And David said, well, I, you know, there's nothing I can do. You know, I, I asked God, and I, I pleaded with him, but he didn't give me my request. At this point, you might be asking yourself or asking me, but, but Matthew, aren't you, aren't, you, aren't you preaching about the God of, of grace? Right? But, but here, David was lying on the floor without clothing, fasting for seven days, pleading and asking for God's grace over the sick child and that the sick child doesn't, doesn't pass. But in fact, God did give David grace. He did, in fact, give him grace for his adulterous act and for, for the murder of, of Uriah. Back in those days, um, the, the law of Moses said that if you committed adultery, uh, you would be brought to a public place and stoned to death. And so, in fact, David actually deserved death at that point for the, his behavior and his acts. He actually deserved death. But God showed him grace. He showed him mercy. He gave him things that he didn't deserve. And so this is, you know, so, but there are, always, there are consequences to, to some of our, our, our actions. In Exodus 34, verses 7, it said that it says over there that he, that he does not leave the guilty unpunished. It's the second verse uh, on, on after, of course, verse 6. It says that he does not leave the, the guilty unpunished. And this piece of scripture is primarily for the wicked and the, the unremorseful person. But I really believe that, that even David himself as well, because of his acts, God recognized that, hey, you know, there are consequences to our actions. And so we, you know, it's important to, to know that, all right, even though there are consequences, we shouldn't be beating ourselves up about the, the events that may have happened in our life. You know, David, David was a very good example of that. He was a very, very good example of how he just got up, he washed himself, put lotion on his body, went to the, the tabernacle, continued to worship the Lord, and, and ate. He didn't wallow in self-pity. Saying, oh, you know, he's, he didn't go on and, 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 and fast for, for 10 days, 14 days. You know, the, the, the opportunity for grace to, to be shown was past. And he, and he realized, okay, God has forgiven him by, by not taking him to, to, to his deathbed. God did forgive him. David was really, really remorseful. He was really, really sorry for what he did. And so I, I want to I encourage you guys here today that... If any of you might be feeling where, where there's something that happened in your life, where you feel that you've you felt that, um, uh, that that you haven't really you, you're looking for God's forgiveness, you're looking for um, you, you're looking for God's uh, a favor over a situation where you might have just been at a place where you just you can't feel like you can receive God's forgiveness because what you've done or, or what you've been through is just so bad. You're just like, oh Lord, I I just want to keep. I just want to keep asking for your forgiveness and asking and asking. You feel like there's this, this prideful remorse, if you want to call it, is over your life. You feel like there's kind of like pride in being remorseful. I want to encourage you today, guys, to, to come forward for prayer for after this because God's grace is enough. God's grace is sufficient for your circumstances. No matter what your circumstances have been in the past, no matter what you've done, what, what you feel embarrassed about, what you feel that has been something where you feel like, oh, I, I can't even look myself in the mirror. Uh, I want to encourage you, if, if that's if any one of you today, I want you to come pray with me afterwards. Because God's grace is sufficient for, for your past, for anything that you've done. No matter what it is, don't be pridefully remorseful 
over your situation. Don't, don't sit there and, and, and have this, this sense of deep wallowing in self-pity, this victim mentality. I want to encourage you to come forward for that because this is what God's grace is all about. David exhibited that after seven days. He stopped mourning. He stopped lying on the floor without cold clothing. That must have been really cold. But he was there. He, was, he stood up and he washed himself and he accepted God's grace. He accepted the fact that he was forgiven. He accepted that God's blood was it was it was enough. Jesus' blood at that time, Jesus wasn't didn't die, but but it, it's it's enough. It's enough. So I want to encourage you guys today to come forward for prayer and be prayed for in this area. It's so important that we don't have this prideful remorse in our lives. And I want to encourage you guys in this area. Is that all right? All right. Okay. So um, and so Exodus thirty two. When Moses had just received the Ten Commandments, um, God, God said to, to Moses, Hey, you better go down to the, to, to, to the foot of the mountain because there's something happening over there that's not okay. And so um, in Exodus 32, uh, so, so Moses was receiving the Ten Commandments. He was, he was, uh, he was uh, speaking to God. And, um, and God said, Hey, the people are, are busy worshipping a golden calf. You better go down there and, and sort it out. It was the, the very two commandments that God gave uh, Moses for the Israelites. Uh, the, these people, the Israelites were in fact breaking. Out of Exodus 20 verses 3 to 4 it says, You shall know you shall not have any other God before me. You shall not make for yourself, the second one, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. So here God's people were, the ones he passionately loved, the ones that he considered his bride, were found perverting themselves with another lifeless God, defiling themselves and breaking the very first two commandments that Moses had given them. I'm not sure if you guys have heard about this term before. It's called the crime of passion. Right? This frequently occurs when there's a murder that happens or there's an attempt of murder, when the spouse of the lover has discovered his his or, or her beloved having sexual relations with someone else or, and shoots or stabs uh, the coupled pair. That is called a crime of passion. And as we're going to read now in Exodus 32 verses, uh, verses 9 to, to, uh, to 14 uh, on how we almost saw a, a, a crime of passion take place by God when he saw the Israelites worshipping the golden calf. All right, so let, let's just turn to Exodus 32. Uh, verses 9 to 14. I said, Then the Lord said, I've seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone, he was telling Moses, um, alone, so my fierce anger may blaze against them, and I will destroy them, and then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. But Moses tried to pacify God. Oh Lord, he said, Why are you so angry with your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with such great power? And such a strong hand. Why let the Egyptians say that God rescued them with an evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth? Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about the terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. Remember your servant Mo, um, uh, Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob. You bound yourself with an oath to them, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven, and I will give them a land. I'll give them all this land I've promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster 
he had threatened to bring on his people. Well, that about sums it up. Sums up God's grace. Here, he, here these, these Israelites were perverting themselves in an adulterous act, worshipping a, a, a golden calf. God was, of course, angry. <laughs> I mean, here his bride was performing this despicable act, breaking the very first two commandments he was giving Moses on the mountain. Thank goodness for Moses. <laughs> wow, what a brave man. To ask God to just, hey, remember what you promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That you'll make their descendants as many of the stars and give them this land that they're about to enter. This is God's grace. Giving something to someone that they don't deserve. They didn't deserve that. They didn't deserve forgiveness. But God showed His grace as they were worshipping this idol. God's dearly beloved. In John 8, Jesus was brought to a woman who was caught in, in, the, in, in adultery. And the, the Pharisees basically asked, or Sadducees asked Jesus, so what do we, what do, we do with, with this woman? And again, back in those days, also anyone caught in an adulterous act according to the law of Moses, would, you know, their, their, their punishment would be stoning to death. And so, so they were waiting for Jesus to, to hear what he had to say. And so what happened is that Jesus went down onto the ground and he started writing in the sand. He started writing in the sand. And some scholars believe that what Jesus wrote were the sins of all of those that were standing there with a stone ready to stone this woman. He was writing their sins down. He said, he who has no sin can throw the very first stone. After a while, everyone left. Jesus asked this woman, where are your accusers? And she said, they are gone. Jesus said, well, I forgive you. Go and sin no more. She received something that she didn't deserve. According to the law, according to the traditions back then, she, she should have been stoned to death. But God's grace through Jesus at that point, in this moment, was sufficient that she didn't receive what she should have deserved. What upsets me a little bit is that, where's the man? I mean, he, was, he, was, yeah, he was part of the act as well too, right? Where was he? Why wasn't he brought forward for stoning? Don't get me started. That's, a, that's another preaching. <laughs> that's another preaching on, on its own. How did he escape? Hmm. Not only can we expect grace to come from God, but we ourselves should also show grace as well too. Colossians 3 verses 13. It's one of my favorite verses. Um, Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you first, so you can forgive others. This message really ministers to me uh, because I'm a work in progress. I am, this is a challenge in my area. You know, many times I don't show as much grace to Christelle as I should. She knows that. <laughs> she, remind, she reminds me quite often. <laughs> She's like... Uh, maybe I should be showing a little bit of grace in this moment. 
my kids, my extended family, my brothers. Um, one of my brothers uh, deeply offended me last last uh, last summer when they were visiting here for my 40th birthday. I've forgiven him, but my, my heart still needs a bit of repair in this area. And so I want to encourage us today, guys, that we show grace towards each other. There's going to be things, your friends, your family, your work colleagues that are going to offend you. There's going to be things that, that happen where you're going to be challenged by an attitude that you might have, something that you carry against this person, family member, whoever it is. But I want to encourage you to show the grace of God that He showed us. That He has given us something that we haven't deserved. Forgiveness of sin. So important that we also ourselves exhibit this trait that Jesus showed. That God showed. I want to encourage you guys to, to think about what, what is it in your life that... You're still holding a grudge against someone. There's an offense in your heart. That God's grace needs to flow through you. What is it that is holding you back from giving grace, showing grace to someone around you? So we invite Shetel up. And um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a short uh, four-minute video that I just want to show you guys. It's um, from a French movie. It's in English, so. Uh, I hope I pronounced it correct. Me, just let us help me if I'm saying it right. But Les Miserables. No. <laughs> All right, well, anyway, this was in 2012. <laughs> Hugh Jackman played this main role where he, um, where he uh, was put into prison um, basically for a very, very small uh, issue. He stole some bread. It was destitute times back then. But I think, yeah, and then he, he was in prison for many, many years, and his heart kind of became hard and felt the world owed him something. And he actually entered prison as, as an innocent person, but left a criminal. And this scenario that, I'm, that we're about to watch is just, just exemplifies God's grace. So let's, uh, let's take a moment and watch that. Let's make sure we've got some good cinema sound. All right. Sleep in the stable, please.
So that's God's grace. That's God's grace. Gives us things that we don't deserve. And then he gives us more. Those candlesticks. Just when we think we've received the things that we don't deserve, he gives us more. More grace. More grace. When the father received the son back from squandering his inheritance, he stood there with open arms, put a robe on him, put a finger on his, on his, uh, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet. Fattened the fattened calf was slaughtered for him. You probably sitting thinking, well. Actually, he deserved to, to be one of his father's slaves for his acts. But not God. Not God. He's a gracious father supplying all that we need. We need forgiveness for the things of our past. And I want to encourage us today to, to reflect on that. We need grace. We need grace in our lives to be able to, to survive, to make this life. We need grace as we need air to breathe. If you've held your breath, held your breath underwater, and you're kind of like, <gasps> the same way we need air to survive, we need God's grace to survive this life. I want to encourage anyone who's gasping for grace this morning, to come forward for prayer as we as we finish up the service 
love to pray with you. Francis is here. Christelle, Lynn, Justin. We're going to be praying for some of you guys in this area. I want to make sure that you don't leave this place having a prideful remorse in your life. Where you're just holding on to, I'm just going to keep beating myself up because it feels good. I want you guys to come forward for prayer in that area. I don't want you guys to feel that you have to, have to keep on beating yourself up. God's grace, Jesus' blood on the cross was for all of us, all areas in our lives. Places that you've been, areas where you've seen destruction, relational destruction, financial destruction, whatever it is, encourage you to come forward for prayer as we as we close the service I want us to take a moment right now as every eye is closed think about anything that you feel shameful about dishonoring disrespectful something that you feel guilty about you feel every day you look in the mirror and you feel just shame I feel like where is God's grace and again I want to ask that you guys come forward at the end of the service and you receive God's grace you receive forgiveness it's a free gift it doesn't cost you anything God's grace is a free gift it doesn't require payment it doesn't require anything other than for you to come forward repent Grace covers a multitude of sins. Covers a multitude of sins. Jesus dying on the cross was sufficient. We've been born into sin, but we have this free gift of salvation through Jesus. Should we take the step of declaring Him Lord and Savior of our lives? Thank you, Jesus.